This is what happens on Yeston Street when no one else is around by Matt Herzberg. Somewhere once in a city that forgot to stay clean. This is what happens on Yeston Street when no one else is around. Not Yeston Avenue or Yeston Circle. Not Yeston Drive or Yeston Parkway. Yeston Street. I-E-S-T-Y-N-S-T-R-E. In Old Foot Town, across from the warehouse, where apples are drawn and delivered and peeled by strange mechanical devices. By the thousands each day, that's the place where they can make a city's worth of sweet, warm apple crisp, where tall chimney stacks thrust upwards and trails of thick white smoke lazily fills the sky. That's why Yeston Street smells of old gym socks and wholesome baked cinnamon, why the men who live there grow long black mustaches and the women have cold feet. There are several unexplained occurrences on Yeston Street, On old maps, it was shown to run parallel to itself for one and three miles, heading in opposite directions. There was also a time when the addresses repeated themselves on either side, not to mention that the residents of Yeston Street called each other greater and lesser to avoid confusion from similarly-sounding and similarly-spelled last names. It's actually a matter of historical record what's happened there, amongst four-story flats and pitchwork fences around old family houses, amongst gaudy street-side shops with suggestive street-side signs, and a native profession of fruit dealers who spend long hours at night in front of their computer screens. From the hour of 410 to the hour of 515, That's when all traffic seems to stop on Yeston Street. This being the most peculiar and foremost event to speak of lately. No cars on smooth black pavement and no shoes on broken concrete. It's as if the business day disappears suddenly and the residents take a break from busy lives. Taking time instead to relax, to cut out coupons complete chores, or get in touch with old friends in far-off places. No one knows what happens on Yeston Street during this time because no one who lives there is around to see it. That's when other such unexplained occurrences begin to happen there. That's when full fishbone skeletons appear seemingly out of thin air on some people's doorsteps. That's when puddles of orange soda can be found trailing back and forth down the sidewalk for no apparent rhyme or reason. That's when the shadows of the more corpulent trash cans stretch their farthest from long, dark alleyways. That's when the one thing becomes you-know-what at the such-and-such. And that's also when soft black boot tips begin to clickety-clack as they make their spring-heeled way down the very middle of Yeston Street. There is a man on the street when no one else is around, a man in a very large disguise. Today, it starts with an oversized, featureless black baseball cap and a brittle blonde wig like dry straw. On his face is a set of fake eyebrows, like the thick bristles of an old brush. On his chin is a soul patch of long black beard that drops down to his toes, braided over a massive fake belly 
covered in a polka dot shirt, vest, and tie. It's more effort than an outfit, and more elaborate than a costume. So large and rotund that the man who wears it must walk by his haunches. One mustering step forward turns his entire body to one side, and then the other step, just to keep up his lethargic pace. Like a turtle standing upright, holding its own shell like a dainty woman curtsies with an elegant dress. The man whistles and bounces up and down to an inaudible rhythm with a large grin from one circle-painted cheek to the other, stopping only when he finally gets to 2215 letter A, because 2215 letter B is the wrong place. There he rings a buzzer and waits patiently for an overdue answer. The voice of an equally oversized woman all sing-song and throaty and deep. It's like a siren's call, he says, to nobody in particular. That's what he calls the sweet music she makes. And she, the siren, waits patiently for him at the doorway to the room that gets rented for just this occasion. The very top floor, at the end of a full flight of stairs. Her own smile never breaks as her visitor huffs and wheezes with each step towards her, wiping at his brow with a handkerchief to keep the perspiration from spoiling the facade of his carefully applied makeup. We met on the internet, she would tell her friends. One of those dating sites. This one seems completely different from those others. He's nothing like Mr. You-Know-Who. Nothing at all, she claims, all matter-of-fact. But that's what she doesn't realize at the time, as the gentleman caller is invited into her home. With his carefully placed smile and well-practiced bow, it is, in fact, lesser Mr. Hugh-Know-Who, closing the door behind him with the flat of his shoe. Sitting across the flowered tablecloth from her with antique teacups of orange soda, raising them with extended pinkies, before taking short sips. Lesser Mr. Hugh-Know-Who, whom was in fact her husband years ago. Now the two were divorced with unreconcilable differences. He was like a lawyer in the courtroom, in the bedroom. She was like the clutterer who sought to keep nothing when it came to matters of the heart. Theirs was an arranged marriage, both of them growing up under an overachieving parent on Yeston Street, and both of them making the other utterly miserable every single day that they were together. Him with his socks on clothespins all around their apartment, her with her loud chainsaw-like snoring all of the sudden in the middle of the night. I have been looking for a very charming and personable woman, says lesser Mr. Hugh-Know-Who. Someone who is nothing like my ex-wife, he assures her. A beautiful woman, an intellectual with dark curls and long eyelashes. He winks at her, and she winks back. When I filled out my profile, I was promised a perfect match, and it matched me with just one person, my dear. It's all he can do to contain a small, sly smile underneath the back of his hand. 
I know what you mean, she replies. I've been sick and tired of dating the same losers over and over again. I wanted to find the right person, my soulmate, but you can't be too careful. These were the precautions she herself took to avoid running into a certain kind of man in her life. A fake name each time and a new set of interests, personality traits that were degrees the opposite of how she really thought of herself. She winced again and played it off as if she was just winking demurely a second time, but in reality she was having trouble batting her oversized fake eyelashes, something that was more difficult than she originally anticipated and more annoying than accidentally eating the ends of her hair. The dark brown curls of her wig, the texture of fine carpet, and the color of milk chocolate, but not the same corresponding taste, unfortunately. What has this come to? She whispered to herself, as the man she expected to discover as a fraud winked a second time in response. It wasn't just the wig and the eyelashes that she found obstructive, but the large, shapely bodysuit she wore under a sickeningly trite flower print dress. So many layers, so many tacky articles of her disguise, that she couldn't help but sweat profusely. And all for what? to expose the jackal whom she had expected all along, the one man, the only man, who ever comes calling to her online profiles, even despite the tremendous effort that she put into making each one as varied and different from the last. I'll tell you what it's come to, answered the gentleman caller as he wiped again at his brow at the back of his sleeve. Let's not waste any more time now that we've found each other. He would have raised an eyebrow suggestively, but he feared that it would come free under the swath of perspiration and ruin his elaborate disguise. For it didn't matter to him if he knew she knew that it was probably him. After all, it was the fault of the online dating machine. He was meticulous in each and every aspect that he was looking for in a woman, specific without error, and down to the most finite of detail. And yet, when each service was done collating a search through its database, it returned with only one. A new profile that was a perfect match, one he had never seen before, with a picture slightly blurred and taken from an arbitrary and generalized angle so that it was reasonably difficult to make out exact features of her face exactly. But it always ended up being the same result as soon as he arrived and realized it was once again his wife, Greater Una Hu. It wasn't just that they went into each new meeting with an unhealthy dose of paranoia, or the amount of time they put into each new disguise, the acting of pleasantries and a warm personality that they begrudgingly plastered across their vapid, smiling faces. It was the hopeful optimism and desire that they shared but experienced separately, wanting, hoping, wishing desperately that it would be someone else, anybody else, this time. And for that single reason, they sought to be the one who caught the other and exposed them for the shameful lengths they had gone to in order to fool the other. But each was a flawless performance that met every expectation with such detailed accuracy. And in fact, if it hadn't been for the clock and the rapid deterioration of their homemade disguises, they would have kept up their tireless charade. In fact, 
If it weren't for these two very important details, Hugh and Una would continue to fake dating one another, grow reaccustomed to a new fake relationship, and get married all over again, to a second life of fake misery. But thank goodness for poorly made disguises. So, as the hour closely approaches 5.15, the two look at their respective watches, wondering how long till their fasteners and clips and fake extensions come unwound. Shaking hands, kissing each other on the cheek, promising to contact the other for a follow-up meeting, knowing all too well that the costumes won't last another ten minutes, that they won't initiate a second contact, but that they will most certainly see each other again. For this is just one of those particular things that happens on Yeston Street when no one else is around. You've been listening to This Is What Happens on Yeston Street When No One Else Is Around. Written and read by Matt Herzberg for Tuesday, May 15th, 2012, and copyright 2012 from www.distinctpoplar.com.